This is The Dudes, delivering to you wall-to-wall coverage of all Mississippi State athletics, featuring Reflector Managing Editor Tanner Marler and WMSB Sports Director Cody Blazak. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of The Dudes here on 91.1 WMSV. I'm Tanner Marler alongside Cody Blazak, and today we've got a really good friend of the show with us, Jack Byers of Bulldog Blitz. How's it going, boys? Or should I say dudes? Dudes. We're, we're, we're back. We're back. Jack, you, you have seen, like me, the best side and the worst side of this Mississippi State basketball team this season and this past weekend we saw one of the high notes yeah you know this team has really defended really well I think the last 14 minutes of that ball game Texas A&M only put the ball through the hoop once you know not counting free throws so you know, I think this defense is really going to help them ride it out the final stretch of the season Mississippi State pulling out the big win at home against number 25 now number 24 ranked Texas A&M this past weekend in Humphrey Coliseum and it should lock them into the tournament, it's barring, look, any, barring any kind of collapse. It's looking like it right now, just the way the bubble's shaping up. A lot of the teams around them in the bubble have pretty tough finishes to the season. I would say Mississippi State's you know, last couple of games aren't quite as difficult. You need to take business against South Carolina tonight, and they're a 16-point favorite. You would, you would hope that they wouldn't have any trouble with that. And You know, Vanderbilt, that's a game that could go – either way but I think even if they do drop that game you know just because of some of the other games going on around them you know Auburn's another bubble team they they could possibly go 0-2 this week against Alabama and Tennessee you know just things like that where even if they do you know slip up a bit I think they're in pretty good shape when it comes to you know the other night the highlight of it I don't know if you've seen this the bad beats section that Mississippi State made. Well, I think uh, anybody's betting on the over on a Mississippi State game is kind of dumb. Kind of dumb anyway. <laughs> I don't know why you'd bet on Mississippi State overs. Nonetheless, the over for the first half was 58 and a half. They get to 58 points with 3 minutes 40 seconds left on the clock. Stays at 58. Possibly, the, it was almost as bad as that Boise State beat. You know, I didn't watch the whole segment. But I do know that is the way Mississippi State wants basketball games to go. I'm sure they would like to put the ball through the hoop now and then. Every once in a while. But that's how they, they want the games to be. They want the games to be slow. They want the games to be, you know, really tough and competitive dogfights. If you win a dog, you dog food. That's what they've been preaching. So, uh, you know, they, they're really uh, defensively oriented, obviously. So if, if games are going that way, usually things are probably going in their favor. Yeah, you know, we said we've said this entire season, Cody and I, that this is a team that is going to be in every single game they play because of their defense. Now, whether the offense comes with it or not, that has been you know kind of up in the air. But so far, later in the season, you know, we saw a midseason skid at the start of SEC play where they probably had the toughest stretch of anybody in the country. Uh, you're playing you know four games in close proximity with Bama and Tennessee. Uh, in between there, you had some pretty solid SEC you know com- competition mixed in but they've been able to bounce back and tonight they have a chance to get a good win a convincing win at home on senior night against South Carolina I think this game is bigger than what the stat sheet will say 
It's big if you lose it. It doesn't do anything if you win. It doesn't do anything for your bracketology if you win, but I think if you do win this game convincingly, you go into Vandy, and I think you can come out with a handy victory. If if they shoot the ball well tonight, which I think they can, you know, just because South Carolina is not that good, I think that can give them some confidence, you know, just going into Vanderbilt and going into the SEC tournament where maybe they can get a little more hot on the offensive end. They're going to have to. They're going to have to. When you talk about this South Carolina game, there's really one player you have to watch out for, and that's it. Gigi. I mean, the dude is a phenom. And he kind of, that's kind of the way South Carolina rolls right now is if he's up, then, you know, they're being competitive. He had a pretty decent game against Alabama, I recall, and they took Alabama at overtime. Then on Saturday, they get blown out by 40 points. I think Gigi only put up four points on pretty inefficient shooting. So he's really the guy you need to watch out for. I know uh, one of their guards, Michi Johnson, he can get pretty hot from three. I think he nailed five or six threes in their win over Kentucky earlier this season. So those are really the two main guys you need to watch out for. Hayden Brown can put up some buckets inside the paint here and then, but he's not a huge threat, I don't think. So I think if you can contain one of Gigi and Michi, you're going to win pretty convincingly. Yeah, and I think this Mississippi State team is a matchup nightmare for South Carolina in general just because of Mississippi State's a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams, but especially South Carolina with two really good wing defenders in Cam Matthews and DJ Jeffries. And then on top of that, you know, you have two really good post defenders in Cam Matthews and Tolu Smith. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's a team that really, you know, the games they have won are the games that they've shot the three really well. They that's what they want to do. They want to shoot a lot of threes, and Mississippi State's one of the best three-point defending teams in the country, so that makes it pretty tough for the Gamecocks. Yeah. Final score prediction for tonight. Uh, I think Mississippi State will win this one 67-53. See, I've got them busting 70 for like the second time in regulation this year tonight. I think they're going to be absolutely amped up. I got them 71-59. I like it. I like it. I think I like that it. would give you the over. I'm not totally sure. I'd have to look at that. But it possibly would. It possibly would. Another game going on in Starkville tonight. The home opener for the Mississippi State softball team. One of our very own Cody Blazak will be there on the call. Cody, how you feeling? Just another game. I don't know. I mean, not, there's no there's, there's no just it's, another it's, game in News Park. It's 6 o'clock, home opener. I mean. Free to attend? Free to attend. Cody will be signing autographs? Well, not. Posters are available. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in Mississippi State Athletics today, just specifically. It is a big day. So, Bulldogs could go 3-0 and on two-day. That would be nice. That it would be. That it would be. Mississippi Valley State, what are they, 0-15 on the year? 0-10. 0-10 on the year, excuse me. 0-10 and a bunch of injuries. Originally, supposed to be a doubleheader. Got changed to one game at six because there were so many injuries. Yeah, so at the time you're listening to this, Mississippi Valley State and Mississippi State are playing, I believe, on SEC Network Plus. That is correct. You can hear Cody's velvety smooth voice if you tune over there as soon as we're done. Along with the GM at the radio station, Anthony Anthony Craven. Craven, Who does our intro. Who does our intro and our outro. And our outro. So if you like the dudes, if you like the voices on here, particularly the intro and the other guy on the mic, check it out. Watch some softball, because we'll get into this later, but there's probably not going to be any baseball broadcasted. We'll see about that. I was texting earlier today with a spokesperson from Mississippi State. They said that they're trying to put something together right now. They're trying to work through some things. 
at least they're trying. They're That's trying. all I know. They're trying. We'll <laughs> it's get, not we'll, going to happen. We'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Nonetheless, we got to talk one more recap, and we'll throw it to a short break before we get into kind of what we can look forward to tonight and going into the weekend uh, just a little bit. When it comes to this past weekend for Mississippi State baseball, there were ups, there were downs, but there were more ups. I think there were more ups. I think you have to be, you know, optimistic about what you've seen pitching wise the last two days. And most of that has come from freshmen or incoming transfers. I think the one guy that you're really, you know, excited about was Graham Intima. Gave you a really solid start on uh, Saturday, five innings, one earned run. And honestly, that one earned run probably shouldn't have come in. You know, we can argue about if it was an error or not. That doesn't really matter. But, you know, he, he's a lot like Houston Harding was a couple years ago. He's not going to wow you with his velocity, but he's got a lot of movement on his curveball, and he keeps you off balance. And that and sometimes you just need a guy like that. You don't need someone that's pounding 97 to, you know, throw you off. And I think that he's going to be a really solid piece. We'll see what his role is going forward because I think, you know, Mississippi State has some really talented freshmen on the mound. Brad, Bradley Lofton will be going tonight against Southern Miss, the freshman from DeSoto Central turned down some big money for the MLB draft to come to Mississippi State, and he had a really good start last week, fastball up to 95. The changeup was really good. I like him a lot. I think eventually we'll see Gerangelo Sanjo on the weekends. You know, He's obviously gotten a lot of national ten- attention for his switch pitching, 97 with the right, 92 with the left. You know, We'll see if the curveball comes. He was mostly getting the work done with the fastball, but I think he obviously he's a really talented player, and I think that they need to ride some of these young guys instead of you know some of the guys who they've continued to throw out that just haven't performed very well, and th- that's what really have led to their losses this season. Yeah, and it's been older guys that haven't performed that well, and I always say this is a phenomenon in college baseball that a lot of fans just don't want to acknowledge. When a team like Mississippi State goes and wins a national championship, that's typically with a lot of older guys guys that have been there for a little bit, or guys that are so young but still taking a lot of minutes from other players or a lot of innings from other players. And you saw that on that you know, ch- uh, national championship team, Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan. And on the pitching staff, Landon Sims, Will Bednar, guys like that that were coming in and throwing a lot of innings while there were some guys that are still on this team that were riding the bench. So when it comes down to those guys' time to play, they don't have the experience. They don't. And it, it creates a, a bit of a gap. I will say, though, you mentioned Will Bednar and Landon Sims. They were sophomores on that team. Yeah. They were, but they were taking they were taking, they were were taking taking time from guys like Casey Hunt is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and the year before, they played how many games? And I don't think those two guys pitched very many innings at all. So my point is here that I don't think the experience really matters. You know, I think it does I, when it comes to this level. Uh, especially, you know, as we get on into the season and these players progress and hit that wall. I mean, Will Bednar and Landon Sims were two very special players. Uh, personally, I don't think there's a Will Bednar or Landon Sims on this roster right now. The closest thing I would say would be some of this freshman group. I think, and I think that's why we need to ride these guys. I think you need to figure out, you know, who of this incoming group are the guys you can rely on because I think at this point, most of the guys that you're bringing back. I don't know if we can trust them right now. Like, no. I, Kate Smith, I think that start on Friday was a bit of an anomaly. We, I did too. There were some, some rumors going around that he was sick. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with that. But he's someone, you know, I think he walked six guys. That's that's unlike him. 
but some of the other guys, Casey Hunt, he he struggled, you know, just the last couple of seasons. So I'm not sure what you know. And Paul Parker Stinnett, we did not see last weekend, and he's another one who has struggled throughout his career. So I think you know this is the point where we are going to see the new guys get opportunities. I really like Nate Dom, the Ball State transfer. He's five innings pitched this season, no earned runs, pound on the fastball at 98 miles an hour. I think these are the guys that we're going to see mostly down the stretch of the season. I'd have to agree. We're going to throw it to a short break, come back, talk Southern tonight. Maybe what we can expect out of the Diamond Dogs this weekend going forward. Stay with us here on 91.1 on the Dudes. What is dedication? My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night, and every moment in between. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Dudes here on 91.1 WMSV. If you're just joining us, I'm Tanner Marler alongside Cody Blazak and Jack Byers of Bulldog Blitz. We were talking a little bit before the break about this pitching staff. Let's talk about this lineup coming into the matchup with 25th-ranked Golden Eagles tonight. You know, I really like Mississippi State's offense right now. Colton Ledbetter, the transfer from Samford, has crushed the ball. He's Why does he hate baseballs so much? I don't know. He's got some anger issues. He He's does. Got to take him out on the baseball. And no reason to hit a baseball that hard. None at all. But he does. He does. He does, and I think that's going to uh, serve him pretty well. He's batting over 400 on the season and three bombs. And the one thing I really like about Ledbetter is when he gets on base, he's swiping a bag almost every time. Every single time. He's got, he's so quick, man. He's yeah. so quick. And we saw it in the outfield, too. He robbed a home run on a Saturday. Almost robbed another one on Sunday. So he is he a five-tool player, I want to say? I, I, I think he's. I don't know about he's the. He's not. He's the closest thing. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's four tool. I don't know if the. I, I'll have to see more of the arm. He's minimum a four tool player. If we see him gun down a guy, we can name him. We five can name tool. him the five tool guy. All right. If he guns down a guy tonight at Southern or in Pearl, excuse me, then we can call him the five tool guy. All right. I'm good with that. But there's other pieces in the lineup. You know. Hunter Hines had a good weekend after not having that great of start to the year. He crushed another home run. I think he brought his OPS up over 400 points just this weekend. He also hates baseballs. He does. He hits balls far. A lot of players in this team hate baseballs. Amani Lair hates baseballs, but his baseball, the way he hits the baseball is a little different. He hits more line drives yeah. instead of the home run. But It gets there, though. He's getting on base, and then Ledbetter's knocking him in every time. What, what, what do we like about him? He gets on base. Oh, yeah. He gets on base. Uh, and I want to talk about Luke Hancock for a little bit. You know, I think he's kind of been somewhat of the unsung hero out of this lineup so far in the fact that he's just delivered. Yeah, he's, you know, you just mentioned he's always on base. Luke Hancock's always on base, and he's done that in his entire career. He's not someone that is going to crush the baseball out of the ballpark routinely. He can do that, but he's hit the ball. He's drove in a lot of runs this year whether that's just you know on a single in a center field or or on a sack fly he's always doing positive things with his at-bats and that's what you really need in the middle of the lineup with him the sack fly king i remember a year or two years ago 
when everyone needed a sack fly and Luke Hancock was Luke Hancock was at the plate, he delivered. Yeah. I and mean, it seemed like every single game he had t- at least a single or a double RBI sack fly. Well, I want to say he led the team in RBIs that year. I think he did. I'm not totally sure. Tanner Allen might have, but Tanner Allen was on base a lot, so he was. It gave him a lot. It gave him a lot of opportunities to get some RBIs. He got on base. He got on base. When it comes to um, the hate around Lane Forsyth, though, I think uh, I hope the kids put it to bed. It looks like it. Just his approach with the plate looks different. He looks a lot more comfortable, and people are going to point to that home run he hit, and you know. That was an impressive swing, and he mentioned you know just working with Coach Gotro on that swing. But the at bat I really look at was on Saturday night, where he bases loaded and he hits an RBI single under center field, and and he worked that count. You know he took a strike that you know wasn't his pitch. He worked that count up to three one, and he just kind of sat and got his pitch, drove it the opposite way into right center field, and you know that's the at bat you really need from your nine hole hitter. You don't necessarily need a home run guy. You just need a guy that's going to, like Luke Hancock, deliver some positive at-bats for you. I could really see him stepping into the role that Scotty DeBruel played. where and Scotty DeBruel was probably my, one of my favorite players on that championship team, and the fact that Scotty DeBruel was going to draw 15 pitches in at-bat. Yeah, and that's what you loved about DeBruel. DeBruel wasn't the most talented guy. I don't think he even hit a home run at Mississippi State. Uh, he did not. I, I think he hit one. He might have hit I one. I think he hit one to shallow right, like... In a midweek game. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know for sure. But DeBrule is not the most talented guy, but what you could always count on with DeBrule is he's going to grind the pitcher. He's going to foul off some balls. He's going to take some pitches. Man, I'll never forget the walk he had in Omaha, and he just pimped. Dude. He, I've never seen a dude get a bat flip off a walk. I swear to God. I've never <laughs> seen somebody pimp a walk until that. But he, I mean, it, but how, how many pitches were in that? Wasn't it like 21 pitches? Um, it wasn't that many, but it was a good chunk, and that led amount. to the Kellum Clark home run. It was a ridiculous so, amount. Like, it was it was ridiculous. And we talk about DeBrule, and he was the either a six-hole hitter or a seven-hole hitter on that team. I want to say he slid in seven, yeah. Mm, Cumbus might have been seventh. I'm not totally sure, but... We're talking about the nine hitter in Forsyth. If you can get what DeBrule did in the six hole out of Forsyth in the nine hole, that's awesome. That's incredible. That's all that, you that need. That means so much for like a guy like Amani Larry coming back leadoff. Yeah. Follow him up with a guy like Colton Ledbetter. Yeah. Because you know Forsyth, you know, he's not had the best start to the year on the defensive side of the ball, but. You know that. The track record is too yeah, good. Yeah, you know there. his track record is too good to take him out of that spot. Yeah, he's going to be fine there. So I'm, I don't have any concerns with that right now. No, none at all. Tonight, though, Southern. This is a good Southern team. This may be the best team in Mississippi. They lost the series to Illinois this they week. They did. They did. But we all know that they were phenomenal last year, and they got a lot of that back. Yeah, but they did their best pitcher. He's at Florida now. So yeah. They got most of their production they back. They got a lot of production back. I would probably say Ole Miss is the best team in the state right now. I don't know, man. I, I want to see – we were talking the other day. Would this not be a crazy, a crazy scenario? Hear me out. Here. I would love if this happened. Southern makes it to Omaha, wins the dang thing. Because Mississippi State, like, let's be honest here. As much as we want to make the College World Series, as much as fans want to, the realistic scenario is that's probably not going to happen. They're probably not going to win. A, they're probably not going to win the College World Series this year. Just straight up. However. If Southern does it and makes it three in a row for the state of Mississippi, do you claim Mississippi as your home residence then, Jack? I play. I, I claim Philadelphia, Pennsylvania as my home residence. But if the, but if Southern Miss, the capital, if Mississippi becomes like the capital of college baseball, 
and you've spent like four years here. Uh, does that like would you even consider it? Yeah, I'd adopt Mississippi as my home. There you go. There you go. That's the kind of breaking news we we provide here on ninety one one. The chances of that happening are also very slim. I mean, they are, but they're not impossible. I would like. I think to they see have the it. best chance out of all the teams in Mississippi, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they do have the best chance out of all out of the Mississippi teams. I mean, SEC is going to bludgeon I, each other. This uh, Ole, year. Ole Miss is not going back to back. We're not winning it. Yeah, I, it just it depends what happens with the. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. The lefty for Ole Miss, his injury. Yeah. If that's a long-term thing, then yeah, they're Which cooked. Which I'm led to believe that it is. Yeah, it probably is. I don't know why I'm liking on his name, but yeah, if if he's, he's very good, Hunter Elliott. That's Hunter, Hunter Elliott. Hunter that's Elliott. It. If if he if he's hurt, then yeah, I don't think Ole Miss will be back in Omaha. But if he is, he's a guy they can ride. So it just depends on that. Absolutely, absolutely. We haven't even gotten your thoughts on where this team's going to wind up. We have, we gave our way too early predictions like two weeks ago, and they were not good. They were not. They were not. I've, I had them, what, eighth in the SEC by the time it's all said and done? And that's generous. Yep, that is a bit generous. It's hard to tell right now. I think just going – That's why it's a way too early prediction. I, I think this is a team that's probably going to be middle of the pack in the SEC. They have an offense that can be top of the line in the conference. I think the pitching talent is there. They need to figure things out, obviously, and even if they do, we don't know what the pitchers are going to look like against SEC offenses. So I think because of that, we're probably looking at a team that's middle of the pack. I do think they are better than some of the teams in the West, like Alabama. Who Alabama's 8-0 right now, but they haven't played anybody, and I think they're a little overhyped. You can make the argument that Mississippi State hadn't really played much of anybody until Arizona State. They took two – I took two. If you win every series, you win the national championship. If you win every series, you win the national title. That is true. That's a proven fact. But I think we've just seen Mississippi State, you know, beat a good team, whereas Alabama yeah. hasn't. So I think right now, you know, South Carolina is another team. You know, congrats on beating UMass Lowell, I guess. Are they playing baseball in Massachusetts this time of year? I don't think so. I don't think they're playing much. No. <laughs> I don't think they're playing much. When it comes to... Mississippi State, though, I've got them pegged at about eighth in the conference by the end of the season. And I think, like I said, that may be a little generous, but like you said, that's pretty close to the middle of the pack. That'll get you as a two-seed into a regional somewhere. 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 The dude won't host one. No. I don't I don't see this team hosting. I don't either. I don't either. Which sucks. I just don't know what to think of them. Because you're getting a bad – I know it's only two weeks into the season, but you're getting a bad pitching day, but they're not – when – when they're able to throw the ball, they're knocking them. When they're not, they just can't score. It does seem like Murphy's Law applies to this team more than any when, it, when they say, like, in, a, in, in every game, when something goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Because I've yet to see, except for that VMI game, a game where the pitching is not great, that but was the a hitting game, That was a game through. where the pitching was good at the beginning, though, and that's when the hitting was good. It fell apart from there. Yeah. I look at the U.O. Monroe game where they just fell behind because of, you know, bad pitching. And it's tough as an offense, you know, as a hitter, when there's just so much pressure on you to just, you know, when when you're coming back from, you know, eight runs, you know, you almost feel like you got to go up there and hit a home run. And you're just kind of taking a weird approach at the plate. And they don't necessarily need to do that. So I think that's part of where it's coming from. You know, if they're playing – 
tighter games where they're not trying to come from behind as much, I think they'll be okay. Again, it just kind of comes down to what they're looking like on the mound. Yeah, and that's going to be the story for this entire season, I really think. Looking at Frisco just a little bit ahead, I think it's going to be a very telling weekend for this team. Yeah, I think you'll get a good sense of where they are because I don't necessarily think all three of these teams are great teams, but they're Power 5 teams. They have talent that, you know, Oklahoma was the runner-up in Omaha last year. They did lose a decent chunk off of that roster, but it's still a good team. Ohio State, they're – I don't know much about the Big Ten, but I do know their Friday night guy had a really good debut against UConn. I think he pitched six shutout innings. You know, that's going to be a tough test. And Pac-12, you know, Cal Cal is always a tough – you know, I don't know how great Cal was. I don't think Cal was that great last year, but the Pac-12 is still one of the better conferences in college baseball, and that should be another good test. So I think we'll get a really good sense of where they are after this weekend. I have to agree. I think that this weekend is going to tell a lot, not only about – if this hitting can be taken on the road, if the if it can kind of transition into road games, but also what do these pitchers look like outside of Duty Noble? And tonight's going to be the first test for a lot of those or a couple of those guys. I think you might see. I don't know if you see Durangelo tonight. Yeah, I'm not sure what their plans are with that. I think he's someone you would like to see on the weekends going forward. But you almost feel like, you know, just this week of these four games. Southern Miss is probably the best team you're facing this week, so maybe you roll with him tonight. But I still think we could see some of those, you know, guys we've seen on the weekend go tonight for, you know, an inning or two. Uh, Nate Dome, he only threw eight pitches this weekend. Um, Aaron Nixon's only thrown one inning the whole year, and he looked amazing. There just wasn't really a situation where they needed him this Mm -hmm. weekend. So, you know, these are arms that they could ride, and obviously some of the freshmen like um, in Evan Sieri or a, you know, a Will Gibbs could get an inning in tonight that, you know, they have pitched on the weekend and have looked pretty good. So I think we, you know, it, it won't be like last year where last year they just kind of threw Jackson Fristo out there and just tried to piece it together, and it yeah. didn't really work out. If Lofton can go tonight, like, deep, do you go to the rest of the game by committee, or do you, like, if he looks good early – how long do you let him go? You just let him go and just say, hey, he's not going to go this weekend because you want to win this game. And yeah. if he's – if you were four innings in and he's, you know, given up four hits, one run, leave him in. Leave him in for if, another two. If he's two. rolling, it depends on the pitch count, obviously. Yeah. If he's up to 90 pitches and, you know, maybe you want to have a short leash there. But I, I think I do think we're going to see a really good outing for Bradley Lofton because, you know, he is arguably the most talented pitcher on this roster. He's up there. He's up there. In terms of live arm, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. I mean, just from the left side, you see a lot of righties pounding that velocity not upwards of 95, 96. You don't see it as often from lefties. And I think you know, when you have a lefty who is throwing the ball 95, 96, who is really mixing in a very strong changeup that I think is his best pitch, makes it tough. You know, he did walk four guys against Ewell Monroe, but they weren't staggered together. I think it was like, you know, each inning he had one walk instead of walking three in one inning. So if he can kind of do that, I think we'll see a pretty good performance from him tonight. Pico is another one that we've had kind of a watch on since the start of the season. Obviously haven't seen him yet. He's been nursing a little bit of an injury. Do you think we see him tonight, or do you think he's kind of kept in the bag for the weekend rotation? I don't think we see him tonight. I'm not sure what's – you know, going on entirely. I wouldn't bank on seeing him tonight. 
Well, before this past weekend, Lamona said he was kind of a day-to-day. He probably could go if they needed him to, but they didn't want to throw him out there this past weekend just because they've got a deep enough staff as it is. I'm curious if they trot him out there tonight to try and get the win or if they're up by a lot tonight, if we see him to kind of get an inning or two, inning and a half to loosen up. I think that's the first... That, that'll be the type of situation the first time we see Pico. Maybe it is tonight. Maybe it's in Frisco. Maybe it's next week. But I think the first time we do see Pico will be in a low leverage situation where he can just kind of get back into the swing and things and not have a whole lot of pressure onto him. Yeah. 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 You're talkative today, man. I'm more entertained just listening right now. To the baseball talk? Yeah. Just two dudes talking, talking throwing the ball around the yard a little bit. Yeah, but he's like like knowledgeable. You're knowledgeable, but like he's real knowledgeable. This has been entertaining. Yeah, I do the basketball. Byers is big on the ba- on the baseball. Yeah, man. this is this has been entertaining. I'd rather just listen in this case. <laughs> That's fair. Get me and Byers together. We can do an hour show, man. I don't care. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I'm just chilling. This is this has been entertaining. Put it that way. Well, we've got about one minute left. As a reminder, spring football coming up, Jack. You gonna be out there with us? Yeah, I'll be out there for spring Heck football. Yeah. Hell yeah! We'll have to, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to have some fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what the new offense looks like. Oh yeah, that's about all the time we've got here on the dudes. Thank you for joining us. As always, you can find the dudes on any and all of your podcast streaming platforms: Apple, Spotify, Amazon. You weirdos that use Google, it's there. You can find it. And listen back to all of your favorite episodes. We had a really great one a couple weeks ago, taking our tour around the SEC. Going to try to resume that here in the next week as classes kind of ease up. We had a test week, you know. It was tough. It was tough. What are you talking about? I had a test week. You didn't. Cody doesn't even have – barely has to go to class. Don't don't let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. Once again, that's about all the time we've got. As always, thanks for joining. I'm Tanner Marler, alongside Cody Blazak and Jack Byers. This has been The Dudes on 91.1 WMSV. The proceeding was a WMSV production.